Hey, this is Bruce. I'm the pastor of the Word Church, Kimberley. I'm so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I trust that Jesus will speak to your heart, that you'll be strengthened with faith, and that you'll experience the breakthrough that you're looking for. Enjoy the message. Note takers or history makers? All right, Exodus 17 verse 14 says, write this down and remember it. Write this down for a remembrance. Write this down and remember it. I want to encourage every person to write things down. Write what God says to you. If, if, you're, not, if you're not writing every day what, what God is saying to you, you're going to forget what God is saying. You're just going to forget. If I didn't write it down, I would forget. It's amazing. At the end of the year, I get to go back and summarize everything God has spoken to me throughout the year. And sometimes I'm just left really overwhelmed with God's presence, just overwhelmed in tears because I'm so aware of what God is saying. Church, we need to be active in the Word. We need to be, we need to be sharp when it comes to what God is speaking and saying. We've got to take it seriously. We've got to write it down. We've got to remember it so that, 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 we, that we can move in it. Um, and then he says, write this down as a remembrance. And just driving to Kimberley, I was just asking God what he wants to do in this time, in this weekend. One of the things is obviously just to bring people into praise, bring people into his presence, exonerate praise, exonerate him, exonerate him in his presence. But I just felt God say he wants to build altars of remembrance. He wants to establish altars of remembrance in our hearts. And so we drove into Kimberley, and like before church, there's this monument thing down the road here. And I'm like, what is that? And I realized God's saying that's, it's not a spiritual altar of remembrance, but it resembles an altar of remembrance. It, remembers a, it, it resembles a time in history where someone wanted someone to remember something. And I don't know what it means to people in Kimberley, and, and I know there's, there's racial divide and, and there's Afrikaans-English divide. Even in our marriage, I'm English. My wife's Afrikaans. My children speak Afrikaans, but I told them they're English. Okay, so <laughs> that's the official position uh, in our family. <laughs> and um, how many dad jokes is that? Okay. All right, good. <laughs> Um, what God wants to do is He wants to raise up men and women of remembrance. Men and women who raise, who, who set up altars of God's presence. And He wants to do that in this town and He's doing this in this church. If you're in this church, you're in a special place. Because God is raising up men and women who are going to do great things that are going to be remembered for a long time. Bruce said we mustn't do the big hole tour. We did it yesterday. He just said it because he's been there a lot. But our kids are studying it at school, and they've read about it. Now they want to see that it's like real. Anyone went to school wishing that it was real? Okay, so they, they, they were just so excited to, to go, and we took them. And you just get blown away with the legacy that is in Kimberley. You get blown away by the firsts that were established in this town. The pioneering things that were established. And God's not done pioneering with this town. And He's not done pioneering with your life. And there's a lie that goes out that we might be a back-end town or we might not be a Pretoria or a Joburg and we might not have the movies. That's okay. Okay, you are a bit backwards, but it's like... <laughs> but... God wants to pioneer through every single person sitting in this room. Anyone in this room believe they are pioneers? Five, six people? Come on, anyone in this room believe you're pioneers? Anyone else? Do you believe? You see, we, you've, got to have, you've got to have faith in who God has called you to be. You've got to have faith in a promise. And then you've got to pioneer. So I just... Like, I'm the kind of person who Wikipedia's everything. Like, if I don't understand something, I want to know about it. So I Wikipedia the, the memorial down the road here. 
And the inscription on the side, just there was one part of it. I don't, how many of you have, don't know what it's written on the side of the memorial down the road? Skamjela. <laughs> There's a line there that says, the price we paid for the freedom that comes unsoiled to your hands. The price we paid for freedom that comes unsoiled to your hands. Read, revere, and uncover, for here are the victors laid. And the memorial is built to the children of the children of the children. And so we live in a time where we, don't, we haven't had to work for the freedom that we have. And it basically, it's the, the core of the gospel message. Jesus died on the cross so that we can have freedom and we don't have to live bloody, violent lives because the victory has already been done. So what's inscribed on the side there is the core of the gospel, the price we paid for the freedom that comes unsoiled to your hands. Come on, if you buy your veggies at Woolworths, you walk out with clean hands. You don't you even know what a fork is, a garden fork. You think of meat as sirloin, not of cow. <laughs> okay, my sister-in-law is a vet. She has to do gross things with cows on the farms. Some of you know what I mean. And we eat beautiful state, even as a green number on the side. Kokoki, A. The freedom we paid, the price we paid for the freedom that comes unsoiled to your hands. The Bible says a righteous man leaves an inheritance for generations and generations. See, the reason we all are pioneers, why God is calling us to be pioneers, is to leave an ever-increasing freedom for those behind us. To leave an ever-increasing freedom for our children that grow up behind us, for their children that grow up behind us and beyond. I, I tell our church, guys, tithes, isn't about, tithes and offering isn't about your wallet. It's not about your wallet. When you give a tithe or you give an offering, you can't give it and hope that it grows in your wallet. My wife and I are the harvest of tithes and offerings that were given in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s in the church that we attended. And so we grew up in a kingdom environment and we married out of a kingdom environment and you are receiving us today, which is a harvest of seed that was planted 40 years ago. So what you have to give is never for you. It's for those that come before, behind you. It's for those that are around you. We've got to start looking at what God has called the church to be, and we need to start sowing and planting into that knowing that we could be planting oaks of righteousness that take 250 years to grow. But there's a message that has been abused. Hey, if you sow now, your wallet's going to grow. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, these men were driven and activated by, I'm getting the numbers, Hebrews 11 or 12 or 13. It, it, it's there in our faith. And then after that, okay. <laughs> These men were activated and driven by their faith. Some received their loved ones back from the dead and some of them died crucified. The point is they were activated and stirred by their faith and willing to plant for the greater good of the kingdom. Isaiah says of the increase of his governance and of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. That means the increase never stops from the time that Jesus rose from the dead to now, we're sitting, which way does the graph go from your side? 
You know, if your graph starts in the corner, anyone did maths? It's, do you guys do maths in Kimberley? Like, <laughs> okay. So the graph starts in the corner and it just keeps growing. And there's this exponential growth that will continue on earth until the fullness of heaven is manifest here on earth. But the only way it's manifest fully is if we're giving our lives for that. If we're partnering with God's call on our lives and we're giving everything to see the kingdom of God grow, to see it manifest, you'll reap a hundredfold. What's Jen? What is your name again? Jeanemy, Auntie Jeanemy. Okay, so, so you're part of the body. You're part of the kingdom. If we want to see corruption stop, we've got to be sowing into the kingdom. If we want to see children growing up in schools that know God, we've got to be sowing into the kingdom. I can testify, our kids are in a public school. Last year we got called in to pray over every parent that was a parent of a grade 7 child leaving the school to go to high school. We got to stand on a corner in the school and prophesy over every parent going to high school. I went back, I said, revival is here. Come on, there's people that are sowing and giving their lives and we're seeing the fruit in public school. How many of you want to see that in your public schools, in Kimberley, in this area? So that's what God does. He uses us to bring the kingdom of God to every area of our community. But it starts, the church has to be strong. The church has to be full of people that don't compromise on their calling, that don't compromise on their promise. You can't pray for government to be fixed if the church doesn't stand strong. Bill Johnson said something that might sound unfair to you. He said, but you get the government you deserve. Whoa. He says, every nation gets the government they deserve. Meaning, the government is actually just a reflection of the people. If you want to change the top, you have to change the bottom first. Some people hope if you just change the top, it will fix. No, no, you've got to change the bottom first. That's how the kingdom is built. Some people are waiting for heaven just to come and wipe out the earth and reset it. Change it from the top. And God's saying, no, I want to change it from the bottom. I want to change it generation by generation by generation, life by life by life. Let's go to Psalms 125. Do you guys have Bibles in Kimberley? Just checking. All right. Just tell me when that's old, Bruce. <laughs> You'll see there it says, a song of ascents. It's one of the songs of ascents. I'm, I'm in, in the song of ascents for this season. It's been about three, four weeks that I've just been reflecting on songs of ascents. And, and these are what I, what I described on Friday, if, if you weren't here. These are songs of ascending. Songs that pull us into the presence of God. Songs that draw us into His kingdom. One, two, five. What time is our end? Eleven. Three o'clock. What time do you guys want to go home? Just shout it out. Everyone's quiet. Can I preach? Preach. All right. My intro was a bit long. Sorry, guys. Psalms 125. Those who trust in, lean on, and confidently hope in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides and stands fast forever. And now there's two promises coming. Promise number one, God will be with you from this time and forever. That's, that's verse two. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from this time forth and forever. That's a good promise, right? Take it. 
Okay, you guys don't know what mountains are, but they're these hills of earth that come up out. And you can stand on top and you can see far into the distance. Okay, so, so that's, that's a mountain, all right. So, and they're there forever. Okay, they, they all right. So, um, <laughs> so, so that's promise number one. The Lord will be with his people from this time forth. Say from this time. Come on. From which time? Now. So God is where? Yeah, with us. Okay, if you ever feel afraid, where's God? He's with you. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest upon the land of the righteous. Promise number two. Wickedness will not rest in the land of the righteous. So we form these, based on our past experiences, we think, yeah, if it's been that bad for the last week, well, it's probably going to be even worse for the foreseeable future. And this little thing comes up that just challenges our, you, you know, people like to feel safe and secure, right? So you want to know that your future is secure. And if we lean back in fear, we think, well, if it's that bad now, it's just going to get worse. Where God actually says the opposite, he says, of the increase of his government and kingdom, there will be no end. And, and so, in fact, the world is a million times better than what it was when Jesus stood up out of the grave. And it's only going to keep getting better. Wickedness will never rest in the land. The Bible says, those who do evil are like grass. They're here today, gone tomorrow. So whenever you feel challenged by what is wicked, go back into the presence of God and rest in the eternity of His Word. Because what is wicked is here today and gone tomorrow. There is no evil taking place that hasn't happened before. It keeps happening, and then they get taken away, and then it happens again, and they get taken away. And, it, and then there's people going, but where is God? Well, God is with the righteous. God is with the righteous. The righteous see things differently. They're looking for the kingdom. They're not looking at the wicked of the world. They're not influenced by that. They're looking. It's, come on, that's in our name. God calls us righteous. So we take on a whole new personality. We take on a whole new way of looking at things. In our church, we know what it means to not be that guy at the bride. I'm going to introduce you to don't be that guy at the bride. Okay, say that with me. Don't be that guy at the bride. Okay. So what it means is, you know, if you're standing at the bri and the first guy says, yo, man, I bumped my finger last week in the thing. And the next guy has this urge, like, yo, no, I was walking through the door and I, and I, and I bumped my arm. And then the next guy's like, well, I lost my arm last week in an alligator attack. And, uh, okay, and, and you get to the last guy, he only has a head. Like, where's his body? It was bitten off by a shark. Okay. And so what happens is we get into this habit when one guy tells a bad story, the next guy tells a worse story, and, and finally the last guy passes him the tongue. He can turn the bride, right? Okay, so don't be that guy at the bride. I challenge our church, whenever someone starts talking about what the wicked, whatever's going on, like, you know, this load shedding and, and what not, not, I'm like, let's change the topic. It's not that I don't want to acknowledge that there is pain and there is hurt, but I want to look at the kingdom. I want to be focused on the kingdom. Because anything that's not from the kingdom is going to sap you of energy, is going to drain you, is going to make you feel flat. Anyone felt flat? You know what I'm, do you guys feel flat in Kimberley? Okay. So... When you're that guy, so now you're going to say this. You're going to be in a negative conversation. You're going, to be, you're going to say, hey, dude, don't be that guy at the bra. And they're going to say, what do you mean? You're going to say, well, I heard this sermon about being in the presence of God. Can I bring the presence? No, no, you, that's you guys. You're saying, can I, can, I, can I introduce you to the way I see things? Can I introduce you to what the kingdom looks like? 
to what the kingdom sounds like. Is that good? Wickedness will not rest in the land of the righteous. Unless. There's an unless there. Lest in my Bible means unless. Unless the righteous stretch forth their hands to iniquity and apostasy. Now apostasy just means to abandon the promise. Wickedness will not rest in the land unless the righteous abandon the promise. What we're holding on to is very precious. What we're holding on to is a promise of life. And when we abandon that promise, when we're that guy at the briar, we give space for wicked to flourish. We allow wickedness to have its root, to have its hold. We've got to let go. We've got to let go. We've got to let go of the fear of wickedness, and we've got to press into our promise. Each and every single person. There is not just a promise for this church. There's not just a promise for this nation. There's a promise for every single person. And believing in that promise is righteousness. Because it was counted. Abraham, it was, it was credited to him. His righteousness was credited to him because he, say it with me, believed. That was the fullness of his righteousness. He believed. Come on, he took his eyes off what he saw and he looked at the kingdom. And it was accredited to him as righteousness, a whole new identity, a whole new person. Then it says, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are right. Circle right in your Bible. Those who are right in their hearts. Those who are right isn't the opposite of wrong. Those who are right are those who have postured themselves in a certain way. They've come with a certain attitude. They've come with a certain position. That's what it means to be right with God. David was a man after God's own heart. So his heart was positioned and postured in a specific way. There is a leaning into his presence. And then it says, as for such as turn aside their crooked ways... Uh, to those who turn away from their indifference to God, peace will be upon them. My, the Amplified Bible just turn, speaks about crooked ways as an indifference to God. In other words, yeah, maybe God's real or, or maybe not. Maybe He has power or maybe not. Maybe He did say or maybe not. Maybe He has spoken over my life. Or maybe not. You see, it's absolutely crooked to not be living in the call and in the follow of God's voice. Not, it's not a judgmental crooked. It, it's, a, it's, it's bent. It's stickened. It's indifferent to His presence. We mustn't be indifferent to what God is doing in this church, in your life, people at home in Kimberley, don't be indifferent to God, to His call on your life. Don't be indifferent to our Sundays. The Bible says we will gather and worship in full congregations. That's Psalm 68. Don't be indifferent to that call. When God says gather and sing, don't neglect the gathering. Gather and sing in full congregations. There's a power to that. There's a memorial that's being established. There's something powerful that's taking place. Don't be indifferent. But you see, like that memorial there on the road that half of you don't know what it means. 
You've become indifferent to the history of your town. You've become indifferent to the price that people paid. You've become indifferent to the value of what has come before you. For you, it doesn't matter. It's a block of stone, which in reality it is. But some people hear the word of God week after week, and on Monday they've already forgotten what the memorial is built for. They've already forgotten why the memorial was erected. They've already forgotten why they wrote the reference to the scripture and then nothing else in their notebooks while the pastor was preaching. I've been there. But I'm now so aware that every moment is unique and every moment is from God. And every moment has a purpose. And I don't want to ever be indifferent to his presence again. I never ever want to be indifferent to worshiping again. May the church's worship be full of power and anointing. One of our prayers for this year over our church is may every meeting, whether it's two or three or ten or a hundred, may every meeting be so anointed by the Holy Spirit that every meeting changes and transforms every person that intends the meeting. I don't want to be indifferent to the presence of God. Because the moment I'm indifferent, I become crooked. I get bent out. And I wonder what is happening. We have a, one of the guys in church. It, he's so not indifferent about being at church. He, if they go away for the weekend, he's at church on Sunday. They will drive back from wherever to be in church on Sunday. Because he's so serious and so full of joy so that he can be in the presence of God with the gathering and not neglect the gathering. That's powerful. That's powerful. What we're doing here isn't just community. It's not just the social meeting. Yes, the church does run on the Holy Spirit and on good coffee, but it's not about the coffee, okay? <laughs> it's an inside church joke. All right, this church runs on the Holy Spirit and great coffee. Anyone disagree? Okay. All right, let's not be indifferent to our getting together, to our time in his presence. There was a woman called Deborah. Ladies say, yeah. Do you know what was amazing about Deborah? You know what's amazing about Deborah? She's the only person who was a judge who was also called a prophet right up until the time of Samuel. Israel had judges, but the only Deborah was called a prophet. And only Samuel, who anointed David, was called a prophet. I thought the ladies are going to be on their feet, roaring, like, go ladies, girl power. Have you ever, have you ever read that? Deborah. Judges 4, Judges 5. You can turn there. Four verse five says she sat under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her for judgment. Now hear this, and she sent and called Barak. And she said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, take ten thousand of them, uh, taking ten thousand men from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun? And I will draw, she's saying, and God, God, God says, I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you at the river of Kishon with his chariots, and I will deliver him into your hand. She calls the commander of the army. She's like, come here. Okay, anyone have you been called to the office before? She's calling him to the office. Doot, doot. Barak, come to the office, please. Barak, come to the office. In a lady's voice. Okay. And she calls Barak to the office under the tree. They probably weren't as developed as Kimberly. 
<laughs> and, and she's sitting there and she's like, didn't God tell you that if you take those men and you go to the valley, that he will draw the enemy out and he will defeat them for you? Like, that's a good word right there. Someone say, that's a good word right there. Okay? Like, we're hoping for that kind of a word. And, and Barak hasn't gone yet. She hasn't gone. Ah, he, he, he hasn't gone yet. I was on my next point already in my head. He hasn't gone yet. And she says, she says listen, what's happening? And Barak says, um, ma'am, if you will go with me, then I'll go. Testing the prophets. So the next time you receive a prophetic word from someone, just ask them to go with you. Okay, now I want to just, just say something. We went to Bethel a couple of years back, and Chris Vallotton was speaking in, in, in a prophetic, for the prophetic teams he was speaking. And he, and he said, in Weaverville, he learned the responsibility of the prophetic because the church was small. So a lot of prophets will prophesy over people and then they never see those people again and they're not accountable to the word. But Chris learned to be accountable to the word because if he prophesied that there's going to be breakthrough in your work and whatever in two years' time, in two years' time that person hasn't had breakthrough, Chris is going... And then he started to apologize. You know what? I probably didn't hear God on that word. Starts taking ownership of his mistakes. Starts taking ownership of being indifferent to the voice of God. See, when God speaks in the prophetic, he speaks. We don't just prophesy for the sake of prophesying. We prophesy because we hear God. You with me? We don't prophesy because we want to give a prophetic word. We prophesy because we hear the voice of God. Are there prophetic people in the room? Put up your hand. Is it part of the culture here? It's one person. We've got to hear the voice of God and we've got to prophesy and then take accountability of that word. If we're saying something, we're saying it because we know God said it. We're not just trying to say it for the sake of saying it. That's why God says it's each person's responsibility to test the prophetic word. Test it, measure it, weigh it against the word. Because does that word come from the prophet or does the word come from God? Am I something here in the room? Is that good? So Deborah said, yeah, sure. Yeah, I know that word was from God. I'm coming with you. And that's why she was called the prophet, not just the judge. She had what what is known as enthusiasm and wisdom. You see, when you give a prophetic word, you've got to be enthusiastic enough about your word that you're going to put your life on the line for that word, that you're going to go with, that you're going to be there because you know God spoke it. So Deborah goes with, and guess what? She's the one in, in, the, in, in that area, and, and she's there in the tents, and on the right time, she shouts at the army, up, go, now. And she was enthusiastic about what God was doing. Now, enthusiasm, the root word in, in, in I want to go back to wisdom. Wisdom, she, she had both wisdom and she had enthusiasm. These are two ingredients we need as righteous people. These are two, we need to be living in both of these so that we can see the kingdom of God transformed and at hand. Um, the first is wisdom. Proverbs 1 says that people may know skillful and godly wisdom and instruction and be able to receive instruction and dealing. The wise will hear an increase in learning, acquire skill and good counsel. Then it says a bit further down in Proverbs 1, it says the reverent and worshipful fear is the beginning of of all wisdom. So the first thing we need is to actually be in awe 
of God? Anyone been in awe of God lately? Anyone been in awe of God lately? I told the men about our thunderstorms up there. Like, I don't know if you guys get thunderstorms like we get thunderstorms on the high felt. But basically everything's shaking, the wind is blowing, the lightning's going, and, and sometimes it happens every day for, for a month. So we're kind of used to it. The people from the Cape, Cape Town come to us and they're like, what's happening, you know? And, and then we're like, no, that, that's just a little storm. That's, but, but to be in awe of God means you're so aware of who He is and the greatness of He is that there is a little bit of, wow, wow, I, I'm going to take this seriously. This is, this is you know, when we, when we say grace at night, are we praying in awe? Or are we saying a little rhyme that we've been saying for our whole lives? We've got to be so in awe of the realness of God. And that's the beginning of wisdom. Because something says, sit up and listen. Something says, if you're not listening, <laughs> you've got to be in awe of God's presence. So that's wisdom. But the second part of that is you have to actually be enthusiastic about what God says. There's got to be activation on the word. There's got to be, I'm going with because I know that was God's word. That's what marks Deborah. Samson was all enthusiasm without wisdom, right? And you know, that was Samson's life. Enthusiasm. Anyone know someone like that? Okay. Gideon, on the other hand, was wisdom without enthusiasm. He was hiding. He was doing the right things in a hidden place, but he didn't have enthusiasm. And then it says, the Spirit of God came and took possession of Gideon. Anyone read that? The Spirit of God came and possessed Gideon. Now, the Latin word for enthusiasm, the root Latin word for enthusiasm, enthusiasm, it literally means to be possessed by God. So Gideon received the enthusiasm to take the mission that was given to him in wisdom. And that's what set Deborah apart from all the other judges. She heard God, but she was also enthusiastic about the word. The judge becomes the prophet. There's a guy called Horst Schultz. This German guy is not in the Bible. He's the owner of the Colton Ritz, or the Colton Ritz Hotels. He wrote a book called um, Excellence Wins. And one of the values they have is giving every staff member in their hotel, regardless of rank, ownership. They give, not like shares in the hotel, no, ownership of the situation. Every staff member in their hotel is entrusted with the ability to make decisions up to $2,500 without asking upper management. Why is that? So when the client has a problem, whoever, that client, whoever the guest at the hotel bumps into, that person he bumps into can solve the problem like this without asking for permission. So if a waiter comes to a table and says, how was your night, sir? And the guy says, well, you know, the, the drain was leaking in my room and there was a weird smell. He says, well, you know what? Breakfast is on us this morning without having to go ask someone first. Breakfast is on us this morning. And then without having to go ask someone, he can say, by 10 o'clock, that problem will be fixed because he knows the problem will be fixed. One of the managers of the hotel had, had two people uh, lose their engagement rings on the beach. Without having to ask anyone, he went and bought 10 metal detectors. Took his staff out on the beach, found the ring, 
At breakfast the next morning, the ring's waiting on the table without having to ask anyone. Another manager was at the desk and the phone rings and the person staying at the hotel says, hey, I was there last night. I've just flown home from New York to Los Angeles, but I left my laptop in my room. I need it for a presentation. The manager says, you'll get it in six hours. Puts down the phone, walks up to the room, fetches the laptop, walks to the airport, gets on a plane, flies to LA, meets the, meets the client, gives him the, the laptop, gets back on a plane, flies back home, does it without asking permission. God's given us permission to transform this world. God's given us every resource we need to bring hope and life to this world. And with that, he's given us the enthusiasm to actually go and do it. <laughs> he's given us the enthusiasm. Why? Because he's given us the means. He's given us the, the permission to bring change to this world. He, in fact, he's asking us, please go and change the world. Jesus says, go out. I, 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 go out. I anoint you. Go out. Baptizing them and teaching them to obey my word. That obey isn't just yes sir, no sir. It's with enthusiasm. Action with enthusiasm because of the presence of God. God wants to activate the church like never before. Come on. He, he wants to activate us like never before. We call our people up to the front to come and dance and worship. We're like, man, will the children please come worship? That's everyone 85 and under. Just come. Some people are disqualifying themselves with their age. They're saying, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm 90. And you're like, well... Um, Sarah was 99 when she went for her first maternity shoot. <laughs> Activation and enthusiasm. That's what God wants. That's what God is, is stirring in our hearts. Is the fact that he's given us everything we could possibly ever ask for. Those are two things coming together. His wisdom, just being in awe of him, listening to him, and then secondly, having the enthusiasm to actually go out and do what he says. To actually go and do what he speaks over our lives. Moses was with the people, and the people had become a burden. Moses is saying, God, you gave me these people and they're such a burden, such a drag. Anyone know someone who's a drag? Moses knew like a million drags. People who just stuck their heels in the sand, pulled the brake for no reason. Said no when they should have been saying yes. I mean, Moses gets up in, in Joshua and he's like, guys, 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 can I tell you something? This journey should have taken 11 days, but it's taken us 40 years because of your disobedience. Because of you saying, I'm not, I'm not speaking to the church now. I'm sp Moses speaking to those guys. Because you guys were such a drag these 40 years. Who wants to be a drag? A burden. Anyone? You guys have got a beautiful pastoral couple. A beautiful volunteering team that's full of enthusiasm. Yeah, come on. I was on stage with Bruce Friday and, and today. There's nothing but enthusiasm coming out. Empowered by real wisdom, 
don't be a drag in this church. Don't be a drag. Come on, sign those info. He didn't ask me to come say this. It's not why I'm here. I mean that. I'm speak, if I could speak to everyone in the whole world right now, I'd be saying exactly the same thing. In whatever church you're in, don't be a drag. Don't be a burden. Get activated. Get involved. Get active with your, with your ears. Get active in the presence. Ask God, what are you doing right now? How can I be a part of that? How can I step in? Because you know what? It's not about growing this church. It's about changing Kimberley. That's what it's about. We, our, our end goal isn't to grow a church to a certain size. Our end goal is to see the kingdom of God manifest in every corner of our city. And we can't do that with Christians who are a drag, with Christians who are a burden. Dan McCullum also says the gospel isn't a, a come and do gospel. Come to church and we're like, if God will only come and do this today. Oh God, if you did this today, I'll feel fine. I'll feel all right. He says, no, our gospel is a go and do gospel. It's a gospel that empowers us to do things. But too many churches are waiting for God just to come and do everything. Echoes of Moses' voice saying, these people are a drag. These people are a burden. And Joshua comes and runs. He says, hey, we've got a problem. Someone's prophesying in the camp. And Moses is like, if only they could all prophesy. I thought you guys were going to jump up. <laughs> if only they were all prophets. If only they all saw the way we saw. If only they all heard the way we heard. If only they all spoke the way we spoke. If only, the way, if only they obeyed the way we obeyed. If only they acted like we acted. Come on, we see Jesus who came, who obeyed, and did the most greatest final act of them all. He acted. He's not some dead statue somewhere. Anyone been to a Catholic church recently? Jesus is real. And his actions were real. Word and action. Deborah said to him, I'll go with you to Barak, not Obama. I will go with you. But this will be for God's glory, not for yours. I will go with you, but this will be for God's glory, not yours. Just the other again. I will go with you, but this will be for God's glory, not yours. Church, let's stand. Can we get the, the band to just come? We just do worthy of it all to end it. Let's just put out our hands in receiving. Father, we, we thank you that we can come as a church and we can be activated in your presence. That we can come into worship and be in awe of you and be in awe of your presence. And Father, today we sign up. We say, Father, we want to be part of the active church. Part of the church that's excited to see God manifest in every sphere of our community. We want to be part of this church, part of your church, part of your bride that is beautiful and wonderful in every way. We want to step into the calling that you have for our lives so that we can see your kingdom come and be manifest on earth as it is in heaven. But Father, this morning I make myself available to your presence. I open up my heart. 
And I ask, Lord, that you will come and just fill me like never before. May there be a move of the Holy Spirit in this town like never before. May every person in this room this morning just taste the tingling or taste the something going on in their bodies and in their minds. Deep in their spirits. Deep in our hearts, Father. Lord, that you will start to do incredible things as we worship you. I ask, Lord, that this morning will be an altar moment in this church. That this morning will be a memorial moment in this church where today something changed. Today something happened in, in my heart, in every person's heart. Father, that your presence will be more real to us than ever before. You've called us to do great things. You've called us to do wonderful things. You've called us to do things that are even greater than what you did. You said so, Jesus. But Lord, we don't have to strive for it. We just have to listen to your voice. We just have to listen when you say, up, go. Didn't God say, I will do this and do that? Let's step into his presence. Father, we want to step into your presence. I just see you coming to ignite feet. I just see a picture of feet burning. Feet burning, feet burning. Hands burning with great desire to, to do things that are for your kingdom, for your glory. Father, it is for your glory that you've called us, that you've brought us together. It is for your glory. And I ask, Lord, that you will help all of us transition from my glory to your glory. Help us transition to a place where we're so excited about your glory manifest in us that we burn with passion and we burn with enthusiasm. Lord, we thank you for, wow, I'm just so aware of his presence in this room right now. And I'm so aware of this moment and this time. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Can we just give God one big applause where we're standing? Just give him a massive applause. Yes. Just keep it sustained applause. Sustained applause. God, we give you sustained applause. We give you glory. We give you glory in this place. Well, I trust that message blessed you. Please feel free to contact us for any prayer requests or feedback. We would love to connect with you. You can follow the Word Church Kimberly on any social media platform and become a part of our online community. Be blessed.